Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you live from Bayside, New York. Let's bring in my co-host, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in all things NFL draftly sublime, the beautiful, the talented, Mr. Calvi. Hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. We 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 are rushed. We are clearly we, rushed. Yeah, this is no time for pleasantries tonight. We got to jump right in. You may dismiss <laughs> dismiss with the pleasantries, Commander. <laughs> um, and the Star Wars reference right off the bat. Let's just alienate a ton of people. Um, Cal, NFL draft. It's going on. They're up to pick number 15. Pick number 15 is in the Jets are on the clock. Holy cow. It's crazy. Holy cow. Let's bring in, let's bring in our, our draft, Nick, the, the fantastic Michael Huber. Hubie. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to the Big Unload. You're here for draft night. We thought we'd be on like pick six by now. <laughs> history, history has uh, has said in the past that you would have been right, but it's it's wild and woolly right now. It is. Friggin' the Jets are on the clock. Uh, <laughs> Hubie, what do you see the Jets doing here? Cal, what do you see the Jets doing here? Real quick. Cal? I'm here. Yes, what do you see the uh, the Jets doing here? They, there's a couple of things that they could do. They could trade down, which we were just talking about, right? Um, or they could they could go with uh, they could go with Ingram at this spot. They could go with Chandler Jones at this spot. Yeah, I think I, I think the draft has really worked out well for them, Cal, because uh, the Jets had a, a couple of guys targeted. They were rumored to be moving down, rumored to be moving up, uh, mm-hmm. but but guys that they target, guys that they supposedly like quite a bit, including Chandler Jones, a defensive end from Syracuse. And of course, Melvin Ingram, uh, Melvin Ingram, Melvin Ingram from uh, South Carolina, still there, uh, ready to go. Uh, Hugh, do they trade out of this spot? Do they take Chandler Jones if they love him and just get him here and move on? No, I think they take their guy. I mean, I don't, I don't like either of those guys, Jones or Ingram. They're both four-three ends coming into a three-four system, and the last guy the Jets drafted who had that profile was Vernon Golston. So. You know, draw your own conclusions, but I think the Castro would be a better pick. But uh, we'll see what they do. I don't think they're going to trade out, though. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument for De uh, Castro here for sure. Uh, they obviously need some shoring up on the offensive line, but I think rumors that their offensive line is in disarray are greatly exaggerated. I mean, they still have two uh, Pro Bowl players on that offensive line. They have two very serviceable guards. Uh, they're switching schemes to a man-blocking scheme, going away from the zone schemes that Schottenheimer ran. 
They need a right tackle. I mean, I think that's for sure. But they still have one of the best centers in the game <clears throat> who was hurt last year, which hurt them a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I think you can go O-line in this. They have 10 picks. Well, at, at the end of the day, taking a guard at 16, you know, most teams aren't going to do it. <clears throat> I think that the Castro is an impact player. He's probably the best player on the board, but you could certainly argue they can get a guard down, <clears throat> down in later rounds and go after the player they want here who's going to be a pass rusher and be high impact. So, I mean, you could certainly argue that. Yeah, I think, you know, your argument – or not argument, but your, your statement about the defensive ends all converting into three, four linebackers, there's eight of them. I mean, it seems like there are no stand-up outside linebackers in this first round of the draft. Every one of these guys, from Upshaw to Ingram uh, to Jones, uh, Merciless, they're all, they all seem to be uh, hand-in-the-dirt guys in college and are going to be uh, stand-up guys in the NFL. So I think you, you have to take one of those guys because they're all pass-rushing threats. To me, it's the guy who can fit in with the Jets system the best, who can maybe drop into coverage, who doesn't have to rush the passer every down. Right. Well, <clears throat> I mean, Ingram, both those guys, Ingram and and and, and Chandler Jones are both athletic guys. So I think if the Jets are projecting either one of those players, they feel like they can get somebody who can drop into coverage. I, I honestly don't know how much either player dropped into coverage in college. Like I said, they were both 4-3 ends. So, you know, you have to take a leap of faith. I mean, Ingram's combine was, was pretty, pretty damn good. So, you know, maybe they're saying he's an athletic guy and they're going <clears> to, <throat> they're going to take him and, 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 and hope for the best. Yeah. I think they see a lot of Suggs in Ingram, uh, Cal. I think they see a guy who they can play, uh, put with the, his hand down and play in the, in the traditional defensive end role. And also they can stand him up, rush him from outside. He can drop back into coverage. Uh, I think Ingram does a lot of things they like. Cal, what do you? You're actually watching it live. I have it just up on my. Uh, I'm, I'm following it on NFL.com. This is exciting. I'm watching it live, but I'm not listening to it. But the thing that's striking me is that well, the, I'm you glad know, you're listening to us. I'm listening to you. <laughs> but the uh, the thing that 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 strikes me right now is that they're taking a lot of time. They're taking more time than most of the teams have been taking with their with their pick. I'm wondering if they're negotiating a trade right now to to move down. I, I, I see they're taking – everybody's been going lickety-split here. It's been going fast. You know, yeah. I mean, 90 minutes in, we're at pick 16 already. That's, right. that's, that's a good point. I actually did see a tweet somewhere along the line here that said that the Patriots were hot on getting Chandler Jones, and they might try to trade up, trade up with the Jets here. So, um, Could you imagine that trade? That would be, that would be quite <laughs> – Quite a, very intriguing for sure. Right, and the and the and the patch trade into the spot to take the guys that the uh, the guy that the Jets supposedly love. Can you imagine that? Yeah, you, you just can't know though because you know if the Jets drop down the drop down the board and there's another player they really like, then for them to make the trade, they're going to get picks yep. and they're going to be in a spot to get a player that they want anyway. So right. you know it's not it's not necessarily you know you know one guy or bust. They might see somebody else with value at the bottom of the the first round and they say, you know what, we'll take the picks and we'll, we'll roll the dice. So right. I mean, you can't argue with trading out and getting more picks. No. And it's, and it's, uh, and by the way, the Jets have a minute left on the clock here. They, it's completely against their MO though. It's completely against Tannenbaum's MO. I, I mean, he has never traded down. He's always traded up. Well, the and other thing, so, I, I love it. The person, if that's what they're doing, I freaking love it. The other thing to consider here, Stephen and Hubie, is that if they've got 10 picks already, if they accumulate more picks, they may be looking to trade up early in the second round, too. Right. 
Okay, so uh, uh, here on NFL.com, the draft tracker, it says the pick is coming in. The pick is coming in, gentlemen. Here it is. Let's let's do it, Cal. Let's uh, we we have everything. <laughs> Buddy Dan, that uh, you can't really tell anything from watching tape. <laughs> the Jets, uh, the pick is in. Cal, do you see it? I don't see it. I don't see it yet. Is, uh, is the commissioner going to the ODM? Not yet. Not Wait for it. Well, this is good because the breaking news music is two minutes and 11 seconds. You have plenty of time. Well, whoever cut this is some producer. Steve, right Steve import, most importantly, how are you feeling right now? I'm uh, nervous. I'm a little nipply. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm uh, got a little butterflies, you know, shaking. You he's a giant fan. He really, he's not sweating it either. No, you know? no, he's fine right now. <laughs> but Hubie's a dress. You're oh, a dress. Oh, 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 careful! They take Copel. I don't believe what I just saw. So the. The New York Jets select Quinton Copels. Wow. Offensive end out of North Carolina. I don't believe what I just saw. Scratch my back with a hacksaw. And, uh, Cal, I hate it. How's that? Of course you do. Of course I do. Initial reaction? I hate it. Why? Wow. Hey, why do you hate it? I want to hear this. <laughs> well, he would have, Hubie, he would have hated anybody at this point. Yeah, that's, that's, we could have taken Jim Brown here. Right. You know, we could have we taken Quentin Tarantino. It doesn't make a difference. I, I, there, no, I don't hate it. That was my initial gut. Let me move past it. I, I think this is a situation where they had Copels as the best player on the board at this yep. point and didn't think he was going to be there. Yep. And look, we know what the knock on the guy is, right? The knock on the guy is that he had a terrible senior year and a great junior year. Right. So are you getting the guy that played the junior year where he was unstoppable? I mean, he's 6'6", 284. You know, he, he's uh, a freakish athlete. He's a tremendous uh, athlete. You question the motor. You question his desire to play. Uh, great. Just what they needed. That's, that's I, I can tell you right now that um, – Footage of the Jet fans at MetLife Stadium, they are not happy with this pick. No. Not with Ingram and Upshaw, both and Chandler Jones. And Jones. Right. But, but, but I think, I think Copels is, is the best football player of that bunch. He was the most productive in his four-year career. Ingram was a one-year wonder. Jones kind of came out of nowhere. This, this is a guy who's been on the radar since he was, you know, early on in his career at North Carolina, you know. Yeah, you question the motor. I think you got a guy like Rex Ryan who says, listen, if you can give me that piece of clay, I'll find a way, a way to make this kid play hard. And he is, I mean, you know, if you look at him play, and I'm watching it now, I mean, he is athletic like Mario Williams is athletic. He's got that kind of size and that, that athleticism. Are you rolling, your dice, uh, rolling the dice on a guy who doesn't, you know, may not give you his all every play? Yeah, but I think he's the best player out of that bunch of guys that you mentioned. So I think that's what they're thinking here. Yeah, I, I, you know what, Hugh? My initial reaction is always one of disgust. 
That's for any draft pick. That goes <laughs> that goes back to Johnny Mitchell. You know, that goes back to Kyle Brady. I'm conditioned to do that when I wanted uh, uh, J.J. Stokes and they wound up taking Kyle Brady. I'm conditioned for this. Uh, but in, in the other thing I'm conditioned for is to talk myself into loving the pick, which I said today that no matter who they take, I will within 15 minutes talk myself into loving him. Uh, you're right. As as far as a, a grade, you know, early on when you saw mock drafts, you saw Quentin Copels going in the top 10. You right. saw him being the first defensive end taken. Uh, and then the combine happens, and this happens, and you question this, and you question that, and you know uh, it, 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 he sort of fell out of that without a doubt. But from an athletic standpoint, if you take him after that junior year, Hugh, forget about it. You'd sign for that in a heartbeat. I, I, I think so. I think that I think that's right. You know, and and you know, you sort of you get a little nervous when a guy like that falls down the board because maybe there are some things that teams are seeing, you know, that 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 they don't like. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it, it, the draft to, to me comes down to productivity. You know, a guy like Copels was productive his whole career, um, and you've got to go with that first. Which is why I don't I don't like the pick of Ryan Tannehill. We don't have to get into that, but the guy didn't produce. You know, he you played will. 19 games, and now you're putting him in the top 10 based on what? So if this guy produces, and you've got a defensive staff that knows what they're doing. I think you take the guy who's who's the most productive player and the guy who's got the biggest upside, which I think he does, and and you go with it. Yeah, could he be a bust? Sure, but you know you've got to you, you got to pick in that spot. And they're saying, hey, he's not the 16th pick; he's the eighth pick. Let's take him and hope for the best. I mean, that's the Giants' philosophy, so it, it's been working for them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And again, you have it's so tough with the draft because it's all about measurables, right? Like it's all about. You know, the combine is is a freaking cattle call, and you see this guy jumps this, and this guy runs that, and it doesn't matter when you put the pads on. I think that, I mean, it does, but it doesn't matter as much. You know what I mean? And you wonder, you know what I wonder, guys? I really wonder what his interviews were like, because he, he you know, they tweeted it the other day that he said he liked Rex Ryan's bravado, and he, he had a good interview with them, and... uh you know, now and now, of course, I'm looking on Twitter, guys, and forget this was a no-brainer. Everybody knew it. <laughs> oh, right, they did. This is it's Jay Glazer. The Jets loved Copels all week and targeted him the whole week. Copels right. is a great fit. Everybody knew it. I knew everything, and you knew nothing. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter makes drafting ridiculous. Guys, let's. Uh, we got a couple of calls here. We got a couple of calls lined up. This is exciting news. Let's uh let's take uh the guy uh let's take the guy from the Jets blog. Uh he writes for the jetsblog.com on sny.tv. Uh and uh, let's welcome John in and uh Hey John, welcome to Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete and our buddy Hubert tonight. Uh what's up man? Shocked? Stunned? Um I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh I mean, this goes back to when the Jets passed up on Warren Sapp and took Kyle Brady. You think it's going to be that? Does it, I love oh, Jets, man. Oh, I mean, I don't think it's <laughs> – let, let me let me first start off. Um, I had the Jets picking Copels in my mock draft. Okay. But but I also believe that the time that Ingram will be gone by then. Right. Right. Um, I thought Ingram was going to go to 12 to Seattle. I thought Seattle loved him that much. Um, but with all the trades that happened – Throughout the first ten or eleven picks, 
Seattle went to 15 and they took Irvin. Um, I think Copels can be a special player. Uh, as we all know, his junior year, he was great. I mean, he was fantastic, and people were calling him a number one pick. However, then in his senior year, his last year at North Carolina, he had a serious downturn. I mean, no one had, no one had any idea what was going on with him. And then uh, his questions about his motor started coming in, uh, started coming up, and his work ethic. Um, but as I've said, and people on the JetsBlog.com know that I mentioned this about Copels as well, and uh, my followers on Twitter know this as well. I believe that Rex can turn this guy around. Um, he has freakish ability. I believe that what they'll what they'll try and do with him is on first and second downs they'll have him as a starting D end. Then in, then on the third down situations they can switch him into D tackle. I think the guy has freakish ability. Then as well, remember the Jets hired a new D line coach called Dunbar, formerly the Minnesota Vikings, and as we know. The, um, he worked with the Williams brothers and made them to two dominant forces on the D-line. You also worked with Jared Allen and just honed Allen's potential, and Allen exploded with Minnesota. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, John, there's a lot here, and, and and again, thanks for joining us, John writes for the JetsBlog.com, uh, and we're all we're all fired up. We did not see this coming with Ingram on the board, with Upshaw on the board. Um, uh, are you? Uh, how big of a surprise is it for you guys over at Jets Blog, you and Bassett and, and, and Steiny and stuff? How big of a surprise is it? I mean, were you guys, did you guys just blow up Twitter to, to each other or what? I think uh, we pretty much did. Um, <laughs> Steiny had reported and Brian had reported throughout the week that they were also starting to get in love with Chandler Jones at the end out of Syracuse. And I always believed, I don't, I don't like guys that get a lot of hype in the last two to three weeks of draft time with combines and the workouts. Perfect example of that was back with Dwayne Robertson, a defensive tackle from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, Dwayne Robertson didn't have a lot of stats at Kentucky, but he had a great combine and a great workout. He shut up draft boards. Just oh, yeah. number fourth. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, oh, remember yeah, that. We, we remember it all too well. I mean, you, I mean, you know what I mean? And... At the, at then we heard about Chandler Jones this year, and he's the brother of John Jones, the great MMA U, U, um, UFC fighter, and blah, blah, blah. The guy only recorded 10 sacks over four years. Right. That you, scared me right away. And that's fair. Here's, I mean, something, here's something, guys. Let me just jump in for a sec, John. Here's something that, that I was talking to a buddy of mine about today. Uh, and we were saying, oh, well, they go with this defensive guy. You know, I was telling him I really didn't love Upshaw, uh, whatever. I mean, what the hell do I know? But uh, I didn't really love Upshaw. And one of the things we were talking about is looking at the defense that the guy plays on. You know what I mean? Like how many pros are on that defense with Upshaw? You know, does that make him better that there are guys that have to be accounted for on that defense as opposed to a Chandler Jones who maybe is the star of the defense, is getting doubled every week, is getting game planned for and stuff like that. Um, and, and I think that has to factor in somewhere. Same thing, you know, we were talking about Merciless, who I liked from like February. Um, uh, again, you know, seems to be a one-year wonder. But again, if you're the only guy on, the, on that defense or you're the big guy on that defense, you're getting game planned for every week. And so your stats might not reflect 
your ability on the next level. Like I think just to keep that in mind, I don't know what that means for Copals. I'm just talking overall, uh, uh, you know, what that means for some of these defensive ends and stuff like that. Like that's why, I mean, Hube, right? Like that's why guys love Alabama players because they're playing under Saban, playing in a pro-style defense, but that defense is loaded. You know, so oh, I, I, I think I think you ha- I think you have to gauge the level of productivity. So so the point about Chandler Jones having ten sacks in, in four years, I mean that's that would be concerning to me too. And I made the point before he you know John came on that you know to me productivity is the number one indicator of what a, a player is going to do. And yeah, I think to a certain degree guys get game planned for, but you still produce. I mean, there are guys who who've come through the draft you know, year over year who were getting double teamed every play because they were the best player in the, you know, in college football and they still produced. So, you know, I, I, I tend to agree that, you know, I would rather have the guy that produces uh, than the guy that doesn't, even if, you know, there are other considerations there. I, I, I think that there, you know, Ingram is a good case too. I mean, I think these are guys that were, were, were guys who came on late and they're not guys who produced for four years. That's, those are the guys that you want. Right, I get you. That's fair. Cal, how are you feeling about this pick? You've been very quiet. You're making me very nervous. Well, no, I'm, 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 I'm taking it all in. I'm listening to all of the analysis here. It sure sounds like everybody is just trying to talk themselves into this pick. That's, that's what it, it's coming across as. And, and you know what? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what to think right now. It was, we've, we've been thinking so many different things leading up to this draft, and this was not one of them. Right. So, so it's we're still processing what's going on. I, I, I think I'm, I'm just surprised why Ingram continues to drop here. Yeah. Why? Do, what do you hey, think uh, about that, John? Uh, hey, to interrupt really fast. The Chargers will select Melvin Ingram. Uh, okay. Pro Football Weekly just posted it on Twitter. Melvin Ingram will go to San Diego. That is an excellent pick for San Diego. Yeah. Um, I, I can, <laughs> I understand you guys bring up the point that we're talking about this pick. And we're talking into the pick. But I would have taken Melvin Ingram over Quinton Cobles. Okay. Um, um, as you guys probably heard about, um, Rex went down to um, UNC's Pro Day. Rex had Cobles work out also at, in the linebacker drills. Also, as you guys probably know, the Jets also um, put in a late request for Quinton Cobles meeting and workout at Florham Park. Right. So there was definite interest in him. I thought, as I said in my mock, I thought that Ingram would be gone at this point, and I thought they would take Copels over Upshaw. And you guys made a great point there because with Upshaw and that Bama defense, I mean, that defense could have beat the Indianapolis Colts offense. <laughs> I mean, that defense was superb. They had played Dante Hightower, who's going to be a first-round pick. You had Drake Kirkpatrick, who was just picked by the Bengals. I mean, they had solid picks all over the place, up and down. Yeah. Um, I I I just I'm a little ju- I'm just a little confused, and I think all Jeff fans are, because all we heard all week, <laughs> we always are. <laughs> we I mean, I, I mean, of course. I mean, it's are. the Jet mantra is that we're always confused, and this team makes moves like you had the whole Tim Tebow thing, which is for another podcast altogether. That's yeah. something else entirely different. Or a series, um, actually. But, but I mean, am I am I excited about Copels' ability? Yes. Right. But I think this team, I think the Jets also, like you heard the Jets interested a little bit in uh, Mercellius from Illinois, and then yeah. Chandler Jones, and then Shane McClellan from Boise State. And those guys have that quote-unquote potential. 
potential this year is not an option for the Jets in the first two rounds. Nope. Um, as we've seen in years past, they drafted guys based on potential. This is the biggest draft in the Jets franchise's history. This, wow. um, with the whole Tim Tebow trade too, I think you guys would agree, it seals the fate of Tannenbaum and Rex together. In this draft, the Jets cannot miss at any, at any – I would say in the fifth or sixth round, you can draft a guy that has potential, quote-unquote. But tomorrow in rounds two and three, you can't be drafting on potential. I don't want to see the Jets draft guys who have good pro days and, good, um, and good, doing good things at the Combine. When I look at a player on tape to be drafted, I look at the game tape. I look at the game tape over the four years, over the two or three years, not about the combine or private workouts. No, and so it, I think well, well, it shouldn't. I, yeah, no, it's, it, those are going to be highlight tapes. I mean, that's like going and saying, uh, you know, I, I go listen to Pearl Jam's Greatest Hits to find out what kind right. of band they are. You know what I mean? Go, go listen to 10, go listen to Verses, and tell me what kind of band they are. Yes. You know, now, I, 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 go ahead, Cal. I'm sorry. No, I, I just want to ask John a question. You're saying that this is such an important draft, and it's certainly the most important draft in in Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum's career. So you're suggesting that they're they're pretty much hitching their wagon to Quentin Copels. Is that <laughs> well? No, I, I I don't mean to be funny, but that's wouldn't you say that's a pretty a pretty big risk at this point? I, I totally agree. And let me rephrase that a little bit. Let me rephrase it. Um, this team, the Jets' defense, as we all know, Rex's play wants strong cornerback play so we can blitz more linebackers in. I mean, okay. without Darrell Revis, I truly believe this defense would be horrible. It would be a yeah. defense that is lousy. Um, but I, do, I truly believe, though, that the Jets this year, if they go 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, or I would say even seven and nine. Remember, the PSLs are not selling on their own. And there's still I've talked I've talked with people inside the Jets organization that there are that there are still hundreds upon thousands of PSLs have to be signed. I also think that was a small part of the whole Tebow thing. But I truly believe that this year is a make or break year for Rex and Tannenbaum. Now, I'm not I'm not sure if they're oh, really fast. Just uh, give me five seconds. I'm not sure if they're going to put all their hopes in Copels, but with this pick, they are really hoping that he pulls something off. They really yeah. are. Yeah, well, they're, they're, I think they're hoping that they get the guy from his junior year who was a, a, a freak in it. And, now, uh, and not the guy from his senior year or the guy who looked disinterested that they just drafted him. Uh, Hugh, you like Copels. I, I get the feeling that you like this pick a little bit, uh, uh, a little more. I, I think you would have liked Upshaw here the best for the Jets or DeCastro, but you, you seem to like this pick. I don't have any, I don't have any dog in this fight, but, but I, I think that, that, that <laughs> I, I think that, that Copels was the most productive player in four years through college. You can argue that his senior year was a little mysterious, but you have to remember what was going on at North Carolina. You know, half the team was suspended. The coach was checked out. You know, the guy was probably thinking, hey, I, I should have got out of here a, a year earlier to, and, and made my millions. So, I mean, he's a great he was point. 21-year-old kid, and there was a lot going on. So I'm not making excuses for him, but I think if you watch the game tape, he is the most productive player over the four years out of, you know, between Ingram and Bruce Irvin and, and Chandler Jones. So, yep. I mean, in, in that respect, I think, you know, it's not. It's not going to be a bad pick. I think the next question is, what do the Jets do with him? 
Well, because because I don't necessarily see him as a three-four defensive end. I see him as a stand-up player, even though he's two hundred and eighty pounds. And I'll be curious to see. I mean, obviously they're going to move him around, but I'm curious to see what they what they actually do with him. Yeah, I, I no, I totally agree. What were you going to say? Uh, no, that, that that was my question for Hubie is what he what he saw. Yeah, Copels obviously has a lot of talent and potential. And do you, do you think a guy like Rex Ryan is going to be able to to really harness that potential with this guy? But we don't know what what they can do with him. That was what I was going to ask you. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to hear what his intentions are because I, I just I, I don't see him as this this. The stout three-four end, and he was a four-three end in college. He's sort of a, a, a tweener in that respect. I think he's athletic enough to play outside linebacker in a three-four. He's big. He's big, but so is Mario Williams. Now I'm not yep. saying he's Mario Williams, but you know, you know, Wade Phillips, you know, stood Mario Williams up as a three-four linebacker, and and he was, you know, he was figuring things out. He was that athletic. I think that's what Rex Ryan's thinking. I mean, we'll we'll probably find out tomorrow morning what he's really thinking, but. That's that's what I would think he would want to do with him, and then I think he would put him down on third downs and let him rush with his hand down. Yeah, I think uh, Hugh, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think they're going to use him as that traditional D end. I think that Rex sees a guy with freakish athletic ability and and size that you can't. And as as John pointed out too, you can use him at D tackle. I mean, he's big enough to use a D tackle on passing downs. He's big enough to use at defensive end with his hand on the ground, or he's big. You know, he's athletic enough to use as a as an outside linebacker on certain downs. I mean, the, 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 the question mark with this guy, and you made a great point, Hugh, that nobody has brought up about the situation at North Carolina and how he probably should have come out after his junior year. Okay, but what, you know, I think what the Jets saw, the question with this guy is his motor. I mean, it's clearly his motor, and you're talking about a franchise that is scarred by one Vernon Golston. Wow. I mean, they're completely <laughs> scarred by Golston. If, if, if this guy doesn't show any sort of emotion immediately, you know, uh, uh, and and uh, he better get in a fight like the second day of camp. You know, do something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get in a, too bad Rob Turner's not here anymore. Because, you know, <laughs> get, get in a fight like the second day of camp to prove to everybody that you care about football. Mm-hmm. But you're, Hugh and John, I think you guys are absolutely right in the sense that they had him at, as number one on their board. They had their pick of the litter. And they stuck to it. They stuck to their board. They went with the guy that they had the highest, who probably has the most upside, as well. You know, uh, so I, I, I. It's exciting. I tell you what, it's exciting, John. We're gonna let you split, and we're gonna bring in. Uh, but before we go, I want to uh, once again plug uh, the blog on sny.tv. It's thejetsblog.com. Uh, you and Brian Bassett and Steiny, uh, you guys do a fantastic job there. One last question for you, John. Going into round two tomorrow, now that they've taken Kobols, and you made the excellent point that, look, they just gambled a little bit, so they better take some sure things in the second and third round. Where do you see them going in rounds two and three? Um, I I I think now this Kobols thing, we all I think most of us thought that they were most likely going to go with a D with um D end or an outside linebacker in the first round. Um, second round is tricky. I mean, and this draft, as you guys know, this draft is deep all over the place at different spots up and down. Um, I don't think you can go wrong here in the second or third round. Um, I mean, just some guys that I've been looking at tape. Um, I know we have a lot of running backs, but Powell did not impress me at all last year. Three guys that jump off the paper. David Wilson from Virginia Tech, Lamar Miller from Miami, you also have my guy, LaMichael James, 
from Oregon. I looked at tape again and again, looking with him and Tebow could be great. Looking at, I think also now looking at wide receiver, a guy that not a lot of people are talking about is Brian Quick, wide receiver from Appalachian State. Mel Kuyper Jr. has him ranked as the fourth best wide receiver in this draft. He is a guy that I think the Jets could be interested in in the third round. I mean, it depends how things break. And I would not be surprised, too, with all the uh, – they have their compensation picks, which they cannot trade. But do not be surprised around two or round three, they do trade up a player that they really like, a player that they covet they could also bring in. Awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for the time, my man. And uh, good catching up with you. We'd love to oh. have you back on the uh, – the yeah, what? What do you got? Yeah, I, I totally forgot one more guy, and I'll, I'll leave it with this. And yeah. you guys were great tonight, and I'd like to do this again in the future. Tremaine, sure. J- Tremaine Johnson, cornerback out of Montana. Mm-hmm. Look up tape on him. I'm telling you, the guy has freakish ability. He's 6'3", 216, can easily make the switch over to free safety. Right, right. Tremaine right. Well, Johnson, cornerback from Montana. And, guys, thanks a lot for having me tonight, and I'll do this again in the future. Have a good night, guys. We'd love to have you on. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. And, uh, so good stuff out of John there. Let's go right back to the phones, Cal. And just we should say, Melvin Ingram has gone to the chart. Now, the, now of course, the draft has slowed down. Now. <laughs> Uh-oh. What, what is this music? Oh, our producer must be producing again. Yep. Make it louder. Make it louder, producer. There we go. Oh, DJ. That's on yourself. Who is this singing? Melvin Colton? Uh, Colton? Nice. I've now, never what, heard that before. What is that, Paul? What is that? Do, do come in and tell us what the heck that is. Where is it? Hi, everybody. Hey, it's Drunk PJ. <laughs> Let me tell you a thing or two that I never liked about you. With the pudding and the drinking and the draft. That um, is a song that's called the Fantasy Football Song. Of course it is. Magnificent. Yeah. Uh, and who who wrote that? Oh, it's by Captain Somebody and his band of bedoozles. I don't know. <laughs> Best band name ever. <laughs> Captain Somebody and his band of bedoozles. Racket. Go back to your phone calls. You don't want to talk to me tonight. I've got nothing interesting to say. We're going to talk to you in the in the second half of the program. Right now, it's just too exciting. Melvin Ingram. <laughs> Melvin Ingram. Why can't I say that, Cal? Well, because he's not a jet. That's why. And also, I turn into Jerry Lewis, apparently, when I try to... Melvin Ingram! With my hey, lady! By the way, Hello. fellas, going back to the draft, there was a trade, and the Patriots have traded up to the to the Bengals spot at 21, so the Patriots are going to be on the clock now. Who did the uh, Titans take there? Shane McClellan goes to the Bears. That's a great pick for them, by the way. Yeah. Tremendous pick for them. My buddy Brian, uh, who I work with, a big Bears fan, he's going to be thrilled with that pick. Uh, who did the Titans take, Cal? Well, we're waiting. We're waiting on the on the Titans pick. It's in. They just haven't announced it yet. Still on the clock. Well, while we're doing that, let's bring in one of the biggest Jet fans I know, and Hubie knows this guy too. It's it's science. Let's bring in our bunny Hammer. Hammer. Maybe you guys haven't heard. I'm kind of a big deal. 
you are definitely a big deal. Quentin Coples, who saw that coming? I, lo- I, I love it. I love it, Sam Pete. I love it. There are two guys I wanted. It was either Ingram or Coples. Or Coples. Uh, I don't buy what the blogger said when he first came on. He's been productive. Not only has he been productive, I don't want to hear that he's a, a Vernon Golson. Vernon Golson did nothing. And even when he was productive, he wasn't the half the player Coples is. All right? There's, there's yep. a, there are things we do not know, Sam Pete. And the fact <laughs> is, this guy was a beast. Yeah. And, no, it's and true. You know, and you know they are going to motivate this guy. And I don't have to talk myself into liking this pick. I love this pick. All right. How, I, I, I love that the, the enthusiasm that Hammer brings. I love it. I love it. I, I, Hubie, Hammer's here to talk <laughs> about Quentin Coples. You boys are old friends. I <laughs> Don't let anybody on this show. I'll tell you, the ratings just went down about nine points. <laughs> we, just, we just lost New York. We did. We, we did get the uh, the Jewish uh, uh, population back though with the Hebrew hammer. We definitely we definitely appeal to uh, uh, Jewish men yeah. between the ages of twenty two to forty five. Yeah, we're going to be twenty two to forty five. You got their vote, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, how 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 have you seen this draft going? Were you surprised that uh, all of the the guys that they could have uh, picked were there? That the Jets were looking at? We had talked about uh, ad nauseum. We had talked about Ingram. We had talked about Upshaw. We had talked about uh, Chandler Jones. All those guys were available. Uh, were you surprised? I, I know you liked the pick. Were you surprised that it was over those other guys? Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised it was over Ingram because. The one thing about Ingram is I thought he was the pure pass rusher in the group, and he can do so many things. But they obviously saw something that, you know, they think they could motivate. And not only that, you know, a year ago, this guy could have been the number one pick in the draft. I mean, you have the opportunity at 16 to roll the dice on this guy. You know, I have to believe that Tannenbaum and especially Rex Ryan know a lot more than I do. If you're gonna trust your, if you're gonna trust your guys, and that may, that may not be true. That yeah, may not know that, it, but that's, that's, that's a big assumption. <laughs> in a in a year that they in a year that they trade for Tim Tebow, yeah, that's that's a big one. That's yeah, a big that's one. A point. But uh, I don't I don't have any I don't have any problem with this pick. This was not a a same old jet head scratcher to me. It, maybe no. maybe it was a little bit of a a nine to five curveball, but I, I, I'm okay with it. No, the the the, ha- the hammer and I are on the same page here. I think I think Copels was the best player on the board there, and you know that it was a no. I think it is a no brainer. And you know what? Uh, I hope he proves Jet fans wrong. You know, uh, there, there's too there's too much pessimism and not enough optimism. That's a good team at its core. I think uh, I think they're taking a good football player, and I think he's only going to add to the uh, to the mix. Well, you bring up right now. Yeah, you bring up a good point, though. While we have uh, Howie here, who's a huge Jet fan, I am obviously a huge Jet fan. You you bring up an interesting topic, Cube, right now, and and I gotta say this, and, and you know, outside of the draft or whatever. And I hope Quentin Copels proves me wrong. I didn't like it at first, of course. You know, ten minutes in, I'm in love with it. I'm not getting a jersey or anything, but I can see uh, why it's there and stuff. But you bring up an interesting topic a little bit with the Jets, and I was talking about this with somebody today. Uh, with uh, our buddy K-Mac, who hopefully is going to come on with us in a couple minutes. Uh, and at the rate we're going, we'll get to the Giants pick. But um, it's a difficult time to be a Jet fan right now. It, it really is. Um, there's a ton of pessimism surrounding your team. Uh, you are basically indicted as Rex Ryan. 
So it's as if I went to the Daily News the last three years and said and guaranteed my team was going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, you just traded for Tim Tebow because your owner wanted him. Your owner is clueless. Your owner, owner only, only cares about getting the back pages back after the Giants win Super Bowls. Okay? One year he goes and gets Brett Favre. The next time he goes and gets Tim Tebow. All right? So you just traded for a circus, a circus in a hugely disappointing year. You can't get any sort of and, – and I'm not asking anybody to play violins here. But Cal and I have talked about it a lot on this show. You can't get any uh, sort of objective coverage of your team from the beat guys. The beat guys are having a party with this, mm-hmm. a party, because they're trying to sell papers. I mean basically I'm down to following one person on Twitter. That's Jenny Ventress, who seems to be the, <laughs> only, one, seems to be the only one who, who isn't working for TMZ covering Tebow. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a very difficult time to be a Jet fan. And so the pessimism, Mike, is there because you're getting laughed at. You're getting laughed at consistently. And then you go and make a pick like this of a guy who supposedly doesn't have a great motor and supposedly isn't that into football and stuff. Your initial and, – and, and could be a bust. Your initial reaction is, ah, oh, you know, can't but, they just do something solid? But, 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 but hang on. Any of those guys could have been could be a bust. I, I totally, totally, totally agree. At six at sixteen in that spot, none of the guys that you're going to take, whether it's Copels, Jones, Ingram, what have you, are guys that are sure things. Okay? Of course, they all have warts. Okay. Yep. And, and and the logical Jet fan knows that, Hugh. I'm just saying you have to understand where the pessimism comes from right now. Well, I, and and you make and you make good points. It's 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 probably it, it it would be easy if I was a Jet fan to be to be to be angry as well because they're doing a lot of silly things. But at the end of the day, you have to go back. <laughs> you have to go back and look at what that team is. I mean, they're two years removed from the AFC Championship game. There's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Yep. What you need to do now is just rebuild in certain positions. They took the best player on their board. I'd have to imagine. And you have to see it play out. Plus, there's listen. They have a lot of picks in this draft. They're going to do a lot of things now. Hopefully, they can make some picks that are you know uh, that are going to make people happy. But th- this wasn't a sexy pick. It was the best player on the board, I I think. And and you see how it plays out. You know, it's it, totally it's, agree. It's just no, one. I, I get what you're saying. And and and, and how you can speak to this too. I know you can, Cal, as well. And and I will let you. I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but. Uh, I would love to be optimistic about the Jets. I, I really would because I, I totally agree with you. And Howie, you and I say it all the time. This team didn't go four and twelve last year. This team was two yeah. plays away from making the playoffs, and we're not I even talking about any I of this. I think Jet fans in general, the media, everybody overreacts. So by the way, Cleveland just took Whedon. I like this pick, but I, everybody, yeah. everybody and the Patriots, overreacts. The Patriots took Jones. Uh, How? Yeah, yeah, and everybody. Uh, you know, overreacts a little bit to what the Jets do, and everybody seems to get their gander up, no matter what they do. You know, this pick is fine. I think they're going to go wide receiver as well eventually. I think they're going to go somewhere. There's going to be a guard. There's going to be offensive linemen in here. You know, for once, you know, the Jets need to just shut up and pick and rebuild through the draft. I like that they didn't trade up. You know, I even would have been okay if they traded down a few spots. But obviously, if Coppola was the guy that they had on their board, then you stay there and you pick them. That's why you make a board. That's yep. why you rank guys. That's why you scout guys. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. That's and and I think 
the Jet fans that have been Jet fans for a long time and can see past the nonsense that is uh, covering up giant banners when they play them or, or Tim Tebow buying a house in Newark or all this crap. And that, you know, that can see through that and see, like we were talking about before, Hugh, this is a team, everybody said their offensive line is garbage. This is a team that has two blue chip players on its offensive line. I mean, this, this is a team that two years ago was like second in the NFL in rushing, you know, and, and you're, you're bringing back four of those five parts. So, mm-hmm. you know, now Cal, I'd like to uh, ask you a question. Cal. How, <laughs> thank you, PJ. Uh, he's paying attention. You know, he looked, he looked up from slaughterhouse five right there real quick. Just <laughs> chapter four. He's still here. Ice nine. Um, no, but, uh, I think with the 10 picks, Bri, they can do a lot to fill those gaping holes. Uh, that's that's cat's cradle. That's not slaughterhouse five. I know it is. Take it easy. Gee whiz. Either way. It's, uh, either way. It's all good. Either, <laughs> either way. It's Vonnegut. Um, <laughs> I like uh, it. Good, good hustle. Good hustle. I, I would love to see them now uh, with the way that the draft is structured now. Tomorrow becomes – and we're going to get to the Giants in a couple minutes and stuff and who will be on the clock in like eight minutes. Um, but the way, way the draft is structured, Cal, you can sort of regroup and treat tomorrow, the second round, as like round one all over again. Oh, yeah. I mean, they could spend all day tomorrow negotiating deals if they want to to try to move up in the second round if there's a guy that they like. Now, you know, we don't know what their board says, but if there's a guy on the board that they really want, they they can make all sorts of moves. They've got they've still got nine picks left in this draft. Yeah. Yep. And they and and uh, although they can't trade four of them, they can trade five of them. Right. Uh, So I could see them moving up and going to get the receiver that they want now. Guys, while I have you, and, and Hammer, while I have you, we should report that the New York Rangers. Spoiler no, alert. don't. Don't do it. Spoiler alert. Should I do it, Cal? Don't do it. Um, should we do it? I haven't had enough problems today. <laughs> I, I think I think you're obligated to do it, Steve. The uh, New York Rangers defeat the Ottawa Senators 2-1 to one in Game 7 of the first round of the NHL playoffs to move on to play – who do they play, Washington? Washington. Washington. Oh. I just threw up in my mouth, by the way. I want you to a little bit. I threw up a little bit. I, I did. I, I threw up a little bit. Um, but that's okay. It couldn't be a perfect day. The Mets come back from, you know, in the ninth inning against Heath Bell and sweep the Marlins, and that was just delicious. Oh, that Yankee, was delicious. Yankees are banged up. Yankees, Yankees are all banged up. This is Cal. Howie says this to me every day for for three years <laughs> because I was making fun of him. You know, they're the Yankees. You know, the, Yankees he, are banged up. He said to me one day, you know, hey, look, we're banged up. This was in like 2009 when they won. Right, and, and when the Mets had Wright, Reyes, Beltron, Santa, like, uh, you know, Ed Cranepool, everybody was on the DL. Yeah, but we were banged up. You had the nerve to come to me and say the Yankees are banged up. Hey, uh, Yankee fans, uh, Hammer and Hubie, uh, Pineda, discuss. How how we feeling about that? Oh, fabulous. Does the, does the Teflon GM have to actually uh, answer for this one or what? No, I don't think so. I, I thought, you know, he got a clean bill of health. I, I, I'd be shocked if, you know, they did their MRIs. I don't think you missed this. I, I think it takes a lot for you to get a damaged bill of goods considering what you gave up. I, I don't think you can blame him. I just think it's bad luck what happened. I don't think you can blame him for this. Cube. 
Did we lose Hubie? Uh, no, I'm still I'm still here. I'm, uh, you, you guys changed gears. I switched gears on me here. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of with Howie on this one. Although I have a hard time believing that there wasn't some damage in that shoulder uh, when they when they got him. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, you know, labrums are typically wear and tear. Um, you know, did he did he tear his labrum out of nowhere? You know, in spring training. I, I, I know that firsthand, that. Yubi. What's that? I know that firsthand. Exactly. So, but but, but but at the same time, I I think it was a I think it was a fair deal. They'll fix his shoulder. He'll be back next year. He's he's a young guy. I mean, to get a power arm like that at a young age, uh, you know, I I think it's it's still worth the risk. I mean, Montero's no no sure thing either. Although he looks pretty good so far. I think the and I think the big and Sam Heath. You know why? I had my surgery five years ago, and I'm throwing at least thirty seven miles per hour. This is all going to work out. <laughs> you do bring it. You do bring it. What were you going to say, Cal? No, the big question is after the Cliff Lee non-trade and now this one, are they ever going to deal with Seattle again? You're <laughs> right. Sleepless in Seattle. Never again. <laughs> yeah. Seems to be a problem. So yeah. now a couple of a couple of tweets of note, guys, uh, here as we're as we're moving on in the draft and the uh, the Whedon selection for the Browns is a fantastic one. Nothing like getting a 29 year old quarterback to come in there and compete with Colt McCoy. Um, but I, I mean, look, I. I that guy's fascinating to me. It's just fascinating to go play minor league baseball for like five years and then be like, I mean, basically what he's, he's, what's his name? He's uh Scott Bakula. I mean, he's, he's, he's like a 29 year old quarterback playing in college. Yeah, he's Chris. Exactly. Um, but a couple of tweets of note here, uh, Hugh, you'll love this one, uh, from Manesh Mehta, who I don't follow anymore because, Let's face it, he's a muckraking, a muckraking hack. Um, Rex on Copels, quote, he's going to have his hand in the dirt. Won't be a stand-up linebacker. Oh, I, I, I stand correct. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> and Rex Ryan says, Hubie, sorry, pal, maybe next time. But you got a Super Bowl trophy, so you're not sweating it. Well, um, I, I, you know, I, uh, let's see, Rex Ryan, Mike might not have been there when I made that promise about promising Copels he would take him. Oh, sp- supposedly, uh, uh, they had guaranteed Copels that if he was there, they were going to take him. Uh, and they had told him that. I guess he's referring to Mike Pettin at that point, Cal. What do you think? Uh, must be. Uh, Rex says Copels will play with his hand in the dirt, won't stand him up, compares him to Sean Ellis. Great. Because Sean Ellis was a huge impact player for us. It was great. Um, I mean, it's just Sean Ellis. Look, I don't mean to bag on Sean Ellis. He was a solid pro, but uh, they they need an impact pass rusher. Um, by, anything, the way, by the way, I think also drafted with the 16th. Yeah, well, that was the that was the year of four picks, right? That yeah, was the year of four picks was, in the first I think round. He was at little uh, little trivia there. Who were those four picks? Pennington. Pennington, correct. Uh, obviously, Ellis. Sh- Sean Ellis. That's right. Hubie knows this. It- uh, Israelov? Israelov was taken, uh, right, out of Pilgrim State. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Jew out of Pilgrim State. <laughs> the, the, the Jewish guy out of St. Mary's home for the, uh, the blind. Uh, right, right. Um, Hubie will not only tell you who they were, he will tell you what schools they went to. Because you're, you're a freak like that, Hugh, right? Like you know all the schools that the guys the school, went to. The schools is the easy part. I don't know that I know the answer to the question, though. Well, I know they the had, schools, too. They had four picks in the first round. That was not Parcells' first draft. That was his second draft. Right. And uh, the four picks were uh, Sean Ellis. Right. Tennessee. John, John Abraham. Yeah. Uh, 
South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Pennington out of We Morning. Are Marshall. And the the if a tight end falls over in the woods, does anybody hear him? Anthony Becht. Anthony Becht, West Virginia. West, West Virginia. Virginia, correct. <laughs> who 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 would who upon catching the ball would immediately fall down. Immediately. immediately. His, his his yak was minus two. That's right. He had a he had a negative yak. He went backwards. He ran backwards. <laughs> I never forget. Every time he caught the he was like Frank and Brady when they drafted Brady out of uh, out of Penn State. Another tight end. That a uh, long rich history. Thank goodness Keller's been good because they have a between Johnny Mitchell, uh, Kyle Brady, and Anthony Becht. Oofa. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, the Castro to Pittsburgh, great pick. Boy, yeah, wow. and and much needed, tremendous pick. Yeah. Uh, Hugh, you 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 remember probably some of the giant uh, picks from those years. Uh, not they didn't exactly cover themselves in glory in the late eighties, early nineties in the draft. Oh, J- Jared Bunch, Jared Bunch, one of my favorites. Derek, Derek Brown, Derek Brown was the Johnny Mitchell year. Yeah, oh, they, they, they had some they had some winners for sure. Uh, and and my favorite of all time, McWalters tells the story so so, so great. I, I hope he calls in, Kev. If you're listening, call in. Um, but uh, McWalters Greenwood moved up again, Sam Pete. Oh no, he tells us. McWalters tells the story about when they took Cedric Jones, and uh, and uh, <laughs> he was reading the scouting report, and he's like legally blind in one eye. <laughs> like after they draft him, he's like, what? Like how did how did what are you talking about? What do you mean he's blind in one eye? Like he was like all excited for his draft pick, and then he read the scouting report. And he was like blind in one eye. We drafted this guy. I love that. Uh, I love you guys. I'm I'm gonna go get my beauty sleep. We all uh, well, that's gonna take a while. You better get to bed. Um, that's my that's my point. Right, Howie. Thanks for the call, brother, and uh, I will see you uh, tomorrow. And of course, uh, you know, call back when the Jets are uh, in training camp and Tebow's the quarterback. I will. You be Hal. See you, boys. All right. You, see ya. Our buddy, uh, the Hebrew Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he calls himself that too. I'm not making that up. I mean, that's how he's referred to at work. Well, he loved that movie with Adam Goldberg. Good movie. <laughs> Underrated, <laughs> Hubie. What's yes. going on? Uh, what's going on with uh, uh, what do you call it? The Giants, because uh, we're getting close here. Oh, the Patriots just traded up and took Dante Hightower. Wow, quite a haul. Yeah, you know, the, 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 we're getting close to the Giants here, and you know, it's it's hard to tell what they're going to do because they they typically are a, a best player on the board uh, type of team, so. You know, it's really hard to predict. They're not gonna. They're not gonna make a pick based on need, um, most likely in this spot. So we we'll just have to see how the next five picks play out, and uh, we'll see who's left. I mean, you know, from that that tweet you sent me earlier, it seems like, uh, you know, Rich Semini is pretty confident the Giants are not going to draft a tight end, which uh, I, I don't necessarily necessarily have a problem with. But Fleener looks to be the real deal. Um, you know, they were they were talking. I heard some talk about corner. Uh, you know, I think they need a tackle, but I'm not necessarily sold on any of the tackles here. So, I mean, if if they stick to their philosophy of best available, I'll be happy. You know, I just want to see them add another good player. That's what they've been doing, and it's been working out for them. Right. And and on that note, let's bring in uh, the other New York Giants, 
New York football giant lover and draftnik, our buddy Kev. Hey, Kev. Steve-O, what's up? What's up, partner? Welcome uh, welcome back to the program. Well, it has been... I was, uh, on, I was on hold there for a while. I was just about to... Uh, I was going to jump ship and call back in. Oh shoot! I didn't. I didn't even see you there. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, welcome. Uh, welcome in. Crazy draft night. Loving it. What do you? What your your Giants are on the board in a couple of picks. I don't know if you just heard Hubie, uh, Kev, Hubie, Hubie, Kev. I believe you guys have met before, but uh, uh, we'll turn the program over to you to talk Giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Giants. The Giants have you know some interesting uh, you know names on their list that they might not think we're you know we're going to be there so um don't be surprised if they go after one of these defensive ends that that have flipped that were projected in the teams or they could stay true to their board i know they were looking at wide receivers extensively stephen hill is still on the board so he could be a name um that wouldn't shock me uh ruben randall is another wide receiver that wouldn't shock me so but with all the ends still there they might they might uh stay true to their board and take a pass rusher now uh, let me just uh, I'm gonna we're gonna let you guys spin off in a couple minutes, but before we because uh, we got a couple of picks before the Giants go, um, and uh, what's the time, Cal? Well, how are we doing on time? What do you mean? What time? We're on, we're on the 26th pick. Houston's on the clock, and it's 10:27. Wow, and it's 10:27. We may make it. Um, so before we, Hubie, you should know that Kev puts together a uh, his own uh, draft board uh, in like in like February. That's fantastic. Like three days after the Giants, uh, your Giants won the Super Bowl again. Congratulations, boys. Um, <laughs> they, they, you know, they won? They, <laughs> they did? Really? <laughs> now, that's the, that may be the funniest damn thing I've ever heard on this program, coming from you. Um, no, we all know that uh, they are the champions. Um, no, but seriously, Kev puts together his board like a week after the Super Bowl, like it's, it's, and he sticks to it. So, Kev, Tell, uh, you had your board uh, tonight. You didn't see things, or this afternoon, you didn't really see things going this way. Of those defensive ends that are left that might be there, Kev, who would you take? Um, you'd have to take a look at Whitney Marcellus, I would think, at Illinois. Um, he, he's definitely a guy that, that was projected as a as one of the premier pass rushers in the draft, so um, you start to wonder what he's still doing on the board. Uh, Andre Branch is another name that's been uh, thrown around in, in recent days out of Clemson. He can also get to the quarterback. So, um, And what surprised me the most so far in this draft is not so much the guys that have been picked, but the teams that they've landed on. I think that's been the, 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 the surprise here so far. Right. Like like who, Kev? Who stands out to you? I, I, I think I agree. Who stands out? Well, the guard from Stanford falling all the way down and going to Pittsburgh. Now, I had him obviously gone – way before the Giants would pick, but did I have him at Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, I had him much higher than that. So there's a name that sticks out. Um, you saw the the the, uh, the Jets take Quentin Copel. Now, they when they were making that selection, and I'm sure you were tuned in, if uh, I know you, um, mm-hmm. they really had their pick of the litter on the defensive end front. And if I was to list maybe four ends, maybe Quentin Copel wouldn't have been that top guy, but the Jets seem to be, you know, stick stick true to their board and uh, made the couple stick. Yeah. Now, Hugh, what are you uh, what are you feeling here? There are guys like like Kevin saying, like there's there's surprising guys left for the Giants. I know you were just talking about the best player available thing and stuff like that. How much does 
say what Yumanura is seemingly doing again and 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 maybe having to part ways with Yumanura and the fact that at some point they're going to have to pay uh JPP because he's he's turned into this wonderful all-pro player he's, he's to me he's a top 5 defensive player in football mm-hmm. um and they're going to have to pay him at some point do you run the risk uh or do you have to consider that guys when you're maybe thinking about taking another DN I, 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 unless unless that D end is the best player on the board, I don't think they're going to go in that direction. I mean, Merciless just got picked by the Texans, so there he's off the board. He's right. off the board. And then if you if you look at who's left, you're looking at um, Upshaw, uh, who is really an outside linebacker in a three four, but listed as a D end, and Vinnie Curry from Marshall. I, I don't think the Giants are going to take a defensive end just to take one. Uh, I think they're going to take the best player. Uh, I think for me, if, if you look at the board as it is right now, I, I think they'll, they'll either take Jonathan Martin from Stanford to tackle or Harrison Smith from Notre Dame. Those are the two players that I think if they're still there, those are the guys the Giants will take. That's just a guess, um, but that's my gut. Kev, you have both those guys on your board, do you not? I do. You know, I've had Harrison Smith somewhere going in the, the high 20s here. Um, but he could certainly be a name that the Giants take a long, hard look at because um, all indications are he's pretty high on the board in the number two safety in the draft. I think Stephen Hill is a name that you definitely have to keep an eye on. They love his his size, and uh, they're looking for a replacement. I don't think they're 100% certain that Ramses Barton and Jarrell Jernigan are going to fill in for Mario Manningham, so they might be looking at a young wide receiver to make an impact on the outside. Yeah, no, I, I think you guys are spot on. Let me while we got a second here, the Bengals are on the clock uh from the Saints through the Patriots. Uh so that that pick uh <laughs> changed hands several times. That's a Kardashian that pick. Um Oh, I'll be hey. here. Hey. Um God, that was terrible. <laughs> we're back to doing morning radio. Oh boy. Damn it, Cal. Even tonight? Even tonight we're doing morning radio. Damn it. Um but I wanna ask you guys while we got a couple of seconds. Uh, you guys both love the draft. We love the draft. I wanted to get – Kev, I was just telling the story about when the Giants took Cedric Jones and you found out that he was blind in one eye. Um, <laughs> you'd, like to, you'd like to know that prior to the draft, but I found out the day after, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> luckily, luckily, we've got a lot more information on our fingertips in 2012. Yeah, exactly. Uh, imagine you're surprised. What do you mean blind? Um, but you guys, give me some – Walk me through why we love this. Why? Why? Why am I? I am like it's like a game. I mean, it's like it's you know it's not as big as like a playoff game or something. But I'm like I've been pumped up. I've been nervous all day. Well, you know, all you have to do, you know, you you see all the storylines each team, each franchise has. It's it's kind of uh, you know a real life soap opera in the sports world with all these teams and and the way we get information uh you know in, in 2012 with, with with we know everything about these guys more so than ever before so with the popularity of the game following following where these guys started from and where they were picked in the draft and kind of following them as they go along and seeing which teams make it to the Super Bowl I think it just you know if you're a diehard NFL fan it just makes it it makes it more fun yeah uh, i i think I think at this time of year, you know, people are just, they can't get enough football. I mean, you've still got four or five months till it gets started, three months to camp. And to get a taste of football in the springtime, the draft is, you know, the draft is an elixir, you know. And 
the 31, the teams of the 31 fans that didn't win, particularly hope springs eternal. You, you, you want to see who your team is going to take to make themselves better to get to the Super Bowl. And it's just, uh, it's, it's great. It's great TV. And if you're a, if you're a football fan, you can't get enough of it. Cal, you, uh, you're, you're a big draft guy. You like it, but it's, I, I think it's, what, it's more difficult for you to get into or no? No, not at all. I love it. And we've, we've talked about this in the past. Just the concept of a draft is, is great. We love regular actual drafts, fantasy football drafts. Um, you, we've talked about, you know, coming up with drafts like your favorite bands of all time. You know, just the concept of a draft lends itself to, to a lot of fun and a lot of speculation and, and analysis, which is what we love to do. Yeah, no, I, we, we, uh, we have the saying, of course, of saying Merry Draftmas when it's a fantasy draft. Uh, and I was saying I was saying to Scott today, my brother, I texted him, I said, Merry Draftmas, and in parentheses I wrote orthodox. Because this would be, you know, like this would be observed. That's right. And Scott said he's a, uh, what did he say? He's a seventh-day Kuiperist or something like that. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 I'm a seventh-day Kuiperist. Uh, so the Bengals just take Kevin Zeitler. They take the guard from Wisconsin. I heard an interesting theory I wanted to run past uh, all you guys. Um, uh, you know, earlier I was talking about the idea of the teams that these guys play on, especially on the defensive end, um, and and how you can ju- uh, gauge the competition, gauge what they do in college, and stuff. And I I forget who was talking about it. it Might have been on. I think it was Simmons with uh, Lombardi on that podcast. They were talking about the idea of, you know, guards and like tackles, like offensive linemen. You almost bump them up if they come from Wisconsin or Iowa. <laughs> like, like it, it reminds me of like the old days when you know linebackers. If he was out of Penn State, you were like, "Well, he's got to be good." Well, like, but, but you know why that is? Because those guys at those two schools in particular are coached so well that when they step on the football field in the NFL, they're ready to play day one. Right. That's it. Right. Like you, you, you have. I think it's. I think. It's becoming more of that. Like I think certain players from certain schools, uh, I, I think it's becoming even more specialized. That you know that like it, like look at Boise. I mean, look at the guys coming out of that program. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, but that but that's even a different issue. I mean, that's that's about a coach, a head coach taking his program from you know mediocrity to the top levels of college football across the board. I mean, right. that's one issue. But then you're talking about the other point you're making is you're talking about schools that are developing a reputation of developing players of a certain type and being able to come back if you're a pro team year after year and pick their guys off regardless of who they are and know that they're going to step on the field day one and start and they're going to play for 10 to 15 years. Think about the value in that if you're an NFL GM. I'm going to draft a guy who's going to step in and play day one and I'm going to be there for 15 years or 12 or 13 years. I mean – that's the ultimate value in a draft pick. And so how can you turn that down? How could you not take a guy like Zeitler? How could you not take a guy like, you know, Riley Reef? Guys who are going to just be solid pros for a long time. I mean, right. there's, a lot, there's a lot of value in that. It's not sexy. There's not a lot of tremendous, it's not tremendous upside, but they go out and they help you win football games. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a great point, Hugh, because I think that's especially true with the lines. You know, guys, like, especially true with the offensive line. Like, this, you know, this uh, Zeitler kid might be a real nice player and stuff like that. But if he was at another school, I, I don't think he's getting taken in the first round. 
I'll be honest with you. I, I think he, I think the fact that he's from Wisconsin and exactly what you just said, right. you that you know what you're getting, and maybe you're maybe you're maybe he's not going to be an All Pro, one of the great guards of all time, but you're probably going to get a starter that you can plug in for ten years, who's yeah. going to be serviceable at worst and maybe an All Pro at best. And and I I think that's I you know gosh I remember that like with Penn State and stuff like that. Of course, you know you remember that from certain schools, but I just think it's funny how. Those Big Ten, like sort of corn-fed, <laughs> corn-fed mule schools, you know, like these these you know these Big Ten schools in the Midwest are uh, are are sort of famous for producing these beefy linemen. And I think it's just appropriate, you know. It it, it is. They've developed that reputation, and they they do it well, and they they're not they're not shy about it. They take pride in it. Yep. Now Packers are. Uh, go ahead, Kev. See, what I was thinking, though, is you do have to be careful when you're talking about, you know, the offensive lines, those those steady, sturdy positions. Like, you re- I mean, there, there there is something to be said to putting a value system on, like, the skill positions versus the guard positions, whereas it seems much more safe to pick a guard and, and, and be content with that for 10 years, where you can, you know, where you see in many cases you can get that guard in the fourth round as a franchise and have that guy play for a dozen years, too, where... In the first round, you're, you, there is the temptation and, and the value of picking the guy that's going to make a real difference, uh, you know, making plays with the ball in his hand, the re- wide receivers, the quarterbacks, uh, you know, the, the running backs, things like that. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think the only time that those guys get drafted, to your point, and it's a really good one, is when there's a need, right? A team like the Bengals made the playoffs last year. They've got a lot of pieces, right? At that spot, they took Kirkpatrick first, then they take Zeitler. They're going to take a guy that's low risk and it's low reward, really. But if you can plug him in and start him from day one, he, he fills a need. And you can absolutely wait till the third or fourth round to get a guard, right? And you're probably going to get some comparable level of performance if that player is of any, you know, substance. But, you know, they're going to go for the guy that's coming out of the school that's known for it, and they're going to plug him right in day one. They don't have to worry about him from a – from a mental maturity standpoint, they know he's going to step in and be able to handle it. Whereas if you take somebody who's from, you know, who's a little bit more of a developmental project, are you going to get them to be a starter one day? Sure. But maybe there's more of a learning curve and maybe the need is there and they don't want to wait. I think that's the only difference. How right. old do you yeah, want to wait? That's true. But if you're a Bengal fan sitting at home and you, and you, and you get Kevin, you know, Zeitler, and you've got a six-four wide receiver staring at you, and Stephen Hill, and you're thinking about maybe pairing him up with AJ Green. There, there, there is the temptation to value a wide receiver position over, you know, a, a safety net type guard. No, no, I, 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 I totally agree with you, and I think it comes down to philosophy. I mean, what's, what's the Bengals' philosophy there? I mean, if your philosophy is to take the best player on the board, Stephen Hill probably should have been picked already, right? But, you know, they're saying, you know, we, we want to take a piece that, that fits into something that we need, and that's, that's the trade-off. And I think if Stephen Hill is still there at 32, you might see the Giants take them. They still need help at wide receiver. They lost Manningham. And if they have him rated, at, you know, in the 20s or the teens, they're going to take Stephen Hill because that's the way they draft. They take the best Absolutely. of Absolutely. And, that's, I mean, and that's, that's another good point of what makes the, you know, the draft so fun and great, you know, watching each team's philosophy and what they, what they think they need versus maybe what the best player available board is. We all know that there's a, you know, debate on 
uh, on what what the definition of best player available versus actual need picks are, and that's always fun to evaluate too. So I just think it's another reason that makes the draft so fun is, is watching teams and how they operate, and, and and like you said, the different philosophies of each. Yep. No. Spot on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Spot on, guys. Too. And and I think Kev. I think Vecchiano, uh, Ralph Vecchiano, who covers the the Giants for the New York Daily News. Um, you know, wrote a little bit about the the perhaps the misconception that the Giants are strictly and and Jerry Reese are strictly a best player available team, um, and and that need doesn't come into it at all. I think you know that's a bit of a mis- misconception about the Giants, don't you think? I don't know if it's a misconception, but I think you have to look at each case specifically each year. So so if you look at last year, for example, right? You know they drafted. Uh, Amukamara before you know Terrell Thomas got hurt. You know I think the thinking was the Giants needed other things more than they needed a corner at that point. However, it also depends on how much value the Giants put on a particular position, and um, you know and 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 what their system is and who they're playing it. So from the Giants' perspective, they're saying, well, maybe we don't need a corner, but we like to stockpile depth. I mean they've showed that in the past as well. They've stockpiled ends. They say, you know what, let's get the best player and stockpile a corner because we put, you know, we put excessive value on that. You know, whereas the Giants needed a linebacker, well, they, they drafted Greg Jones in the sixth round and they, they signed Mark Herzlick. So the Giants are saying, and, and Jaquan Williams late. So they went and got linebackers late in the draft and, and, and undrafted because maybe they just put less of a premium, whereas on corner they're saying, hey, we don't need it, but we put a premium on it. Let's go get that and stockpile. Right. No, it's a, a, a good points all. The Packers just took Nick Perry. They took the defensive end out of USC. Uh, good pick for the Packers, uh, who gave up, I think I read, the most passing yards in the history of the NFL last year. So uh, now a lot of that obviously is a symptom of being up in a lot of their games, being up big, teams throw against them, et cetera, et cetera. However, uh, I think they had like four sacks uh, all year. So <laughs> no, but they they needed Nick Perry. They obviously needed uh, somebody who could uh, go with Matthews and put some more pressure on the quarterback. Um, we're gonna take a let's take a Kyle. You want to take another call? I think sure. My, I think uh, we have a call. I think my buddy Steph is calling in. Hey Steph, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, Sam Pete? What's going on? Uh, welcome to the program. Please turn your radio off. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm off here. Just That's I always, uh, always want to say that. <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about it? Go ahead, give it to me. Well, uh, Rex has probably had this idea for the longest time. I mean, he had a private workout with a guy. You know, he went down there, went to see him. Uh, he's got to see something in him. I mean, the fact that we had leeway to pick anybody we wanted there or move up for Floyd, two spots, not a big deal. Um I'm a little disappointed. I really am. Uh, and I'm also surprised how a lot of these guys that they were, you know, projected to go so high, the Upshaws, the, you know, uh, Doug Bow, um, Baldwin, I'm sorry, the guy the running back from Boise State, I thought he was going to get taken. Um, Hill, receiver Hill, um, a few guys. Um, yeah. I'm just excited also for the second round. I right. think we can really make some moves. I mean, I'm not completely disappointed, but the kid has potential and – if Rex sees something in him, I guess uh, we have to trust pretty that. Pretty much make or break time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we should pray. I should let you boys know here on the line that uh, this is a, a buddy of mine that I work with, great Jet fan, uh, who also still plays football. Uh, played in high school, and he plays for a semi-pro team up. Uh, uh, where is it? Westchester. Where do you play? 
Yeah, I, I play for the Westchester Vengeance now. Right. I, I dabble. For Vengeance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an, another new team. And, uh, has, uh, has, has Tannenbaum or any member of the Jets been in contact with you leading up to the draft? Well, <laughs> I, I, I turned down a few contracts, but, you know, now thinking about Copels, eh, maybe I'll go right. uh, come out of retirement. Yeah, no, we'll Steph see. is uh, – and Steph is beefy, fellas. You should know this. Steph is uh, – he plays he plays the D-line. I think he plays the three technique. You know uh, – I'm like, I'm like a little Harrison, Harrison Smith is a Viking, by the way, just to – Harrison Smith oh. goes to the Vikings. Oh, great pick. Good pick for them. Very good pick. Yeah, and that they I they had an interesting stat the Vikings. I I think they like were second in the league in sacks but like 26th in pass defense, which I know again, the numbers skewer all over the place, but they let's just put it this way, it seems they definitely needed help in their secondary. Um so that's a good pick. So he's off the board. So we have the 49ers on the board here. Steph, one more thing about the Jets. Um, going yes, into sir. the second round. Now, they're, they're obviously gam- gambling on Copels. We know that yeah. if, this, if this had been after his junior year, uh, we'd be ecstatic right now and dancing oh, in the streets. But uh, what do you see them doing in the second round? Or do you see them potentially trading back into the first round? Could you imagine that right now? I don't see them trading in the first <laughs> round because I think there's a lot of value in the second round, to be honest with you. There's a lot of guys. Not anymore. I don't think you can with the with the way the draft is broken up. I think it's a lot harder to trade back into the first round like they did for Keller a couple of years ago. I, I completely agree, and we had that conversation today. Yeah. Um, today. Well, if you think about it now, uh, look at the board. I mean, where are we going to go next? I mean, safety, definitely wide receiver. We could definitely look at a Nick Toon in the second round. I mean, move up for Hill. He's got the speed, the size. Um, you can also look at in the third round, the Michael James. I'm a big fan of him. I think that we need some more speed on the offense, you know, especially out of the backfield. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Joe McKnight. You know, it's either a uh, bigger bust with him. And who knows? I like Loco as well in the third round. And you know how I feel. They're Sam Pete, so <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It, it definitely will. Thanks uh, for the call, Steph, and uh, we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do tomorrow night, and I'll see you at work. Hey, you know, uh, get my Copel's jersey ready. Uh, well, at least we beefed up the defense, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right, buddy. I think, that, I think that sums up the jet pick. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Hey, you got you got to be positive. Julius Peppers Jr. right there. All right. That's right. All right, I'll take it. Thanks, Steph. Have a good one. All right. So uh, uh, my buddy Steph checking in there. Good Jet fan. And he's he's also a, a draft guy, too. We lost uh, K-Mac while we had Steph on. He had to bail there. Uh, but thank you to, uh, to Kev for checking in um, and uh, also giving us his take. I, I, Hugh, I tell you, he is not playing around. He is, <laughs> K-Mac does not play around about the draft. He, he, he could win seven Super Bowls in a row. Uh and he will still put together a draft board like two days after the draft or after the Super Bowl. That like that that is highly impressive. That's that's dedication to his craft. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. He's a he's a sick junkie for it. All right, so the Vikings are are the forty nine ers are on the board here. While we got a couple of seconds before the Giants pick, oh, man, I really wish we could have kept Mac on uh for the Giants pick. But he you know what? There's no way he would have been on the radio while the while the Giants were picking. There's no way. <laughs> just too emotional of a time. There's there's no chance. 
Cal, um, you should call him after the pick and get his reaction. Yeah, that's what we should do. We should call him back after the pick and get the reaction. Um, Cal, <laughs> uh, Doctor Ira is sending us some very funny tweets. Yeah, you know, some some very funny IMs. Uh, well, we got a second here. Can we can we introduce those into the show, please? Go ahead. No, no, you got I you got him. My phone is about to die. Go ahead. Let me. Where what where where am I going? Oh, he he. Uh... He was talking about um, Brandon oh, Whedon I earlier. I do not have yet. <laughs> right. Brandon Whedon looks like a doughy UPS driver, <laughs> not an NFL quarterback. But he didn't realize at the time when he said that that he is 28 years old. Right. A <laughs> uh, doughy UPS driver. That's like a perfect description. That really is. He He certainly doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. No. And also, uh, Dr. Iru is looking for the Jets to trade back up into the first round now to take Upshaw. Right. That would be, I mean, mm. that, that would be a tremendous move. Hey, let, uh, so A.J. Jenkins. Wow. Hmm. So the 49ers take A.J. Jenkins. Reach. Oh, that's huge. What do you make of that pick? Huge reach there, I think. Yeah, I mean... There are there are a lot of team there are a lot of sources that had him moving up the board. I I I wouldn't have taken him there. I think there are better players to take. They the 49ers they could have took Fleener. That would have been a, a way better pick than, than than AJ Jenkins. But you know again you don't know what a team sees. I mean Harbaugh is a pretty good evaluator of talent. So there are, there are things that they they would like to do. This guy has some speed. So maybe that's what they want somebody who could stretch the field. Yeah, I mean they, they wow interesting they. They obviously need a receiver there, right, guys? I mean, they they obviously need somebody to stretch the field. They have Vernon Davis. They have a fantastic tight end. Taking Fleener would have been a good move, too, Hugh, without a doubt, especially given what Alex Smith presents as a quarterback, um, to have two excellent receiving threats at tight end and sort of do a Gronkowski-Hernandez yep. thing uh, would have been a good call. Crabtree has been a bust there. Yep. Um you know, so, which I think is a shame because I think I think Crabtree is a player. I don't know what happened there. I watched him a lot in college because, again, of the uh, father-in-law who went to Texas Tech, um, and so uh, by shotgun I watched a lot of uh, Texas Tech of late. And uh, I don't know what happened to him, Hugh. What happened well, to Crabtree? Uh, you know, you know, I, I've heard an interesting theory about first-round receivers, especially guys who go that high in the draft. You know, they're so dominant at the college level uh, athletically that they really don't have to do much but show up and, and beat guys down the field, you know, and do whatever they want. And then when they get to the pros, they have to work, you know. And so uh, they're playing against corners who can, who can be physical with them and, and, and they can knock them off the routes and, you know, they're going to take hits. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a rude awakening for a lot of these guys who go, you know, receivers who come out in their top five picks. Whereas if you look at the NFL today, there are a lot of undrafted free agents at receiver who come in and they work to learn their craft and they become, you know, pro bowlers like Wes Walker. Um, and, and there's a lot of guys like that who are drafted down the board and, and work hard to be, you know, they, they want to be there. They want to work hard. And, and, and a guy like Crabtree, Crabtree can't get by on his athletic ability anymore. So, so, you know, I think it stunts his, you know, stunts his growth as a player a little bit. He's just not ready for it mentally. And so, I don't think he's a complete, you know, a complete bust yet. He's only in the league a few years. I think you've got to, you know, give him another shot here. But uh, I, I think he, uh, you know, I think he, he probably came in with his head a little bit too big, and I think that's really the issue. 
Fellas, it looks like Tampa Bay is on the clock. They're going to take the Boise State running back, Doug Martin. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. I, I I like that pick for them. I, I love Doug Martin. Yeah, I, I like Doug that Martin. pick a lot for them. Doug Martin is a excellent football player. He he can catch the ball. He 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 wants to block, and he has a great low center of gravity. He's five nine. He hits the holes. He he you know he 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 reminds you almost of of Emmett Smith in terms of his stature and and his patience. But he can catch the ball really well. And I think he's going to be he's going to be a really really productive player for a long time in the NFL. He's not super sexy, but definitely a solid pick for the Buccaneers. Yeah, and and to put him with uh, Josh Freeman and that uh, that's a good pick. That's a, well, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot for them. I'm still scratching my head over this 49ers pick. I really am. I mean, look, maybe they know something that we don't again, but. Man, I just you're so close. You're coming off a 13 and 3 season and in an NFC Championship game and you were a fumble away from winning. You know, <laughs> or you know, or a punt going off a guy's leg from winning. And just I boy, I thought there were more polished receivers there. You know that you're going to take. Like I don't I don't have a problem with the receiver pick, but I have a problem with maybe there's more polished guys there, no? Mm. I, I, yeah, I don't honestly. I I don't really get the pick either. But um, I think be cute. What's that? I said that maybe trying to be a little too cute. Well, I think I think they're trying to generate more offense. They want to give Alex Smith more, more weapons, uh, and that and, and for that reason, I understand it. Um, but but I think to your point, you probably could have found a player in later rounds that has the same skill set as AJ Jenkins. And you wouldn't have had to um, spend a first-round pick for it, but they must have—they must have really liked him. So um, you know, now you have to do all you have to do is wait and see what he's going to do uh, on the field. All right. So now we are—we're getting to the end of the first round here, boys. The Buccaneers uh, are going to take, and then the Giants will be on the clock. So we'll—we'll right. uh, we'll be ready for the pick. Couple things uh, to you know, drafting in the age of Twitter. Is anything in the age of Twitter, sports-wise, is, is ridiculous and, and and sort of crazy. But um, some of this stuff about Claiborne, Morris Claiborne, and the Cowboys is is fantastic, guys. <laughs> I don't know if you're seeing any of this, but real quick, Peter King reports: before 8:30 Eastern tonight, the Cowboys had no contact with Morris Claiborne in 2012. Not a call, not a visit, not a letter, nothing. Claiborne thought it was a crank caller when Jerry Jones called him up. <laughs> the Cowboys traded up to take a guy they didn't speak to, they didn't have in for a visit. What could go wrong? Man, they are shrewd. <laughs> That's the rope-a-dope uh, philosophy. <laughs> That's right. Like, it's, it, in this day, in 2012, with Twitter and all this stuff and the combines and all this stuff, they drafted a guy they didn't talk to. And he's the number one cornerback in the draft. They, they traded up for him. <laughs> and they had a jersey ready to go. They must have known what they were going to do. They, he, knew, he didn't know, but they knew. He had no idea. No. How does that happen? How does that happen? Jerry Jones calls him up. Yeah, sure. This is Jerry Jones. Okay. Right. Is my refrigerator running too? Right. Hey, Pookie, knock it off. All right. Enough. 
I'm I'm tired. I'm going to be drafted tonight. I have no idea. Come on, quit playing around. <laughs> that is funny. Wow. I, I just I love that. Not a call. Nothing. All right. So we're about to have the Giants on the clock here, Hugh. What are you feeling? What do you what do you what do you what do you like? What do you know? What do you see? Uh, well, I I I just I just saw a tweet that said the Giants would have taken Doug Martin if he was still there, which is interesting. Um, and I saw that as a possibility. Um, to be to be honest with you, you know, I think I, I, I think Stephen Hill, you know, could be the pick if you if if you speculate that the Giants are going to go with the best player available, uh, and there is a need uh, for the Giants at wide receiver to a certain degree now. Uh, I think he I think he could be the guy. But quite honestly, I don't really have much of a feel for where they're going to go. I mean, it could be Martin the tackle out of Stanford, um, you know, and you know. I don't I don't see them taking a running back now, but that also that's also a possibility with David Wilson from Virginia Tech, who I actually like a lot. But um, I, I, if I had if you if you put a gun to my head, I'd say I said it was going to be Hill, Stephen Hill from uh, Georgia Tech. Hugh, uh, uh, Mac did just text me and say, "What do you think of Cordy Glenn here?" I, I personally, I like Martin better. Um, he's he's a he's a he's a natural pass blocking left tackle, uh, which I think the Giants desperately need. I mean, Glenn was a was a guard who who now is being projected as a tackle based on his you know stature and his performance at the combine. But you know, the Giants' offense is predicated on throwing the football. Let's not let's not mistake it. You know, I think if you can get a left tackle at the spot he's projected to be a first round pick, uh, I think you take him. And, and he's coming out of Stanford, so you know he's going to be a smart guy. He should be able to step in and play, uh, play right away. So, you know, I, I, that's where I would that's where I would go if I was drafting um, a left tackle at this spot. You know, who has a first round first round grade. Right. Um, but but again, we'll see. I mean, Glenn was flying up the boards too, so he could be the pick as well. I mean, who knows? I, I honestly have no feel for what they're going to do here. Yep. And Upshaw is still there too, Hugh. Upshaw is still there too. They could. I mean, I don't think Upshaw fits for them unless they intend to put him down on the ground because as a 4-3 linebacker, he's just too big. He's 265, 270 pounds. So if they think he's a good enough football player and they can play him at end and make him, you know, in, put him in that rotation, then I could see that being the case. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know, you know, if that's what they're thinking. I, this is uh, this is it. The Giants still on the clock. Four minutes left there. Uh, I just texted McWalters. I said, let's go. I got to have it. I got to know who you're taking. He says, Upshaw is still there. Very interesting. You know, the thing you like about the kid out of Stanford, too, is that he's been playing in a pro-style offense as well. Like, he, you know, he should be able to – a pro-style passing offense. He should be able to step in and, and sort of assume that uh, – just what you said, he, oh. that the Giants are a passing team. So. He, he, he would be he would be a, a dangerous, dangerous weapon. I mean, he's – Super athletic. He ca- he catches everything in his direction. Um, he he gives you what you know an Aaron Hernandez gives you, and what a um, a Jimmy Graham gives you. A, you know, a tall, athletic receiver who can run and jump and play in the slot. And the Giants the Giants don't have that. They don't have a player like that. And I think that you know he would be a pick as well that you'd love to see. But uh, I don't know if they're going to go in that direction. You know, from what I heard, and it's limited that, that they don't want to go that way. But there might be too much value for them to pass up here. Right. Uh, they'll, they'll always take another weapon, I, I think. I don't think they thought he'd be there either. I mean, it, K, K- Mac was hearing, uh, uh, Kevin was hearing the same things as you, Hugh, that he would be gone. Um, 
I don't think they thought he would have been there. But he is, and man, that offense gets awfully explosive. I mean, if you had, to, if you had, plus he has long flowing locks like Shockey. <laughs> he looks like Thor. Uh, I I I, pr- I I don't prefer I don't prefer Shockey rerun. Thank you. <laughs> He's a rat. He's a rat, Hube. He's a rat. <laughs> His whole family's rats. All right, he's he's like uh, what do you call it? He's spider. It's all family rats. Um, well, this is it. The Giants on the clock, two forty-seven, taking their time to close out round one of the two thousand and twelve NFL draft. Yes, guys. How, now, how do you like that that they got the first round in in three hours? Light speed. I love it. Unbelievable. That's certainly made for television. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. That the, this used to be the first round used to be like a seven-hour affair. Oh, when it was on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, forget it. Forget about it. It was ridiculous. Yep. And you had nothing. You could make no plans. Nope. You could do, and then you're you're locked in front of your TV on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of April trying to sell football to your wife. <laughs> and no, you don't understand. I have to watch this draft for the next nine hours on a Saturday in April. <laughs> and it's always like the last Saturday of April. It was always like you know the first sixty-five degree day. Right. And I'm selling uh, an NFL draft. And, and of course, you know, to which my wife would respond, you don't even know who half these guys are. She, she even knows that I See, haven't my, done my, my homework. My wife couldn't make that claim. She knows I know all of them. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> she, she does. That's true. You know, I was watching a, I was watching a little bit of the draft tonight with, uh, with Teresa, and she was, she was uh, making some of the funny comments. Some of the comments were very funny. Her big her big thing, guys, was what school the guy was going from to the climate he was now going to have to play in. That's it. It's, uh, you hear it talked about a lot. The guy went. The guy went to a warm weather school. Is he going to be able to play in Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't thinking that. She was thinking, you know, more for the family. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, you know, she 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 saw like the kid from A uh, and M. You know, Tanny Hill. Oh, you know, that's good. Going to Miami. That's good. You know, he stays warm weather. It's good for him. Nice. He's probably used to the heat. You know, whereas somebody who, whoever went to uh, to Buffalo, she was all upset. She was like, imagine having to go to Buffalo now. After you've been, who, who did the Bills take? It was, uh, what do you call it? Stephen Gilmore, the cornerback from South Carolina. She's like, imagine having to go from South Carolina to Buffalo. I'd be miserable. I was like, well, you're not a cornerback going to play in the NFL either, although you are very fast. You're very quick, and you've got a good hip pivot. Get a, lot of, a lot of bend. A lot of bend. <laughs> right, a lot of bend. All right, so the pick, the pick is coming in. What's happening here, boy? Oh, tw- Twitter is telling me that it's David Wilson from Virginia Tech. Really? Yes. And how do we feel about that, Michael? Well, you know – it's an interesting pick. I personally watched David Wilson a lot in college, and the guy is a home run hitter. He is an absolute stud. Um, do, do I think that's what they, they needed to do there? Um, maybe yes, maybe no, but I, I kind of like the pick. It, it, I think it's a big upside pick for the Giants, you know, and so they must have seen a lot in them. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I, I would have preferred a tackle. But I think it's a good pick. Wilson's a really, really good player. He is a he. He gives them a home run hitting threat that they don't have now. 
it, it adds something to their offense. Must be so nice. Just sitting back at 32, Super Bowl champions. Take whoever here. doesn't matter. You know, it, it, we're going to get a football player. We're not sweating it. No needs, really. You know, no tremendous needs. Well, I think running back, but I think running back <laughs> is a need for the Giants. No, it is. It is. It is, you. It is. Brad, no, Bradshaw is perpetually injured. Yep. You know, Jacobs is gone, which is, you know, good riddance. But even still, you, you're losing a guy. You know, Ware has yet to prove himself. They've drafted a couple of other guys. You know, this guy is a guy who can come in and play from day one, and he has some serious, serious speed. And he can catch the football, and he can return kicks, which I think has to be part of the equation for the Giants here because yeah. their return games have been so miserable the last couple of years. Yeah, the return game has been a, a, abysmal the last Abysmal. Season. It has been abysmal. Yeah. And this guy's going to come in, and they're probably going to put him back to return punts, and he can catch passes. And, you know, it, it, just, it just gives them another dimension uh, on offense. So, so I think it's a really good pick for the Giants. Do I think they could have done better? Yes, but I think it's a good pick. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. I just I just hope he's not a bust because I think with a lot of these running backs in the first round, they can be busts. Yeah, and and especially you know that was all the the uh, that was why the world was on fire when it was rumored that the Jets were going to trade up for Richardson, who, despite the fact that he is probably the best running back in the draft, or he's definitely the best running back in the draft, he might be the best player in the draft uh, uh, overall. But, you know, the argument is made, do you mortgage a draft in this uh, current NFL for a running back? You know, look at the teams that have won over the last few years. Look at the teams that have won the Super Bowl. They're all passing, they're all passing teams. Now, they, they had solid backs. You know, I mean, the Steelers had a solid back in Mendenhall. You know, the, the Giants had a solid two back with Bradshaw and Jacobs. But, then, you know, AP, Adrian Peterson hasn't won anything. You know, um, that doesn't mean you can't win with it, but it's a passing league now. Mm-hmm. So this is – I think this is a good pick for the Giants in that they don't need a, a running they, – they need a running back with a specific skill set. And maybe if the guy's a home run hitter, uh, you know, that's – that's to me, that's the sort of guy they need. They've always struggled in short yardage. They're going to continue to struggle in short yardage, <laughs> you know, but – uh, maybe you know this is this serves a specific need. Cal, what are you what are your thoughts here on on the pick on David yeah. Wilson? Yeah. I'm just you know I don't know much, too much about him. I'm reading up on him right now. It looks like he's a he's a fantastic athlete too, which is right. certainly which is certainly going to help. Right. I, I I believe his nickname was the Freak, um, and don't quote me on that, but I think that's what his teammates called him. He he or 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 something to that effect. He's, I mean, if you watch if you watch video on the guy, he he is an absolute athletic stud, uh, and he was the ACC Player of the Year. He probably I think he had over sixteen hundred yards, so he was productive, and, and he played behind a lot of good backs. So this was really the first year he carried the load. Um, I, I think I, I think the more I think about it, and the more I I sort of mull over it, I think it, it does. It's a great pick for the Giants in the sense that he does add something they don't have. Um, and you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how they use him. You know from day one, I think definitely in the return game, definitely on third down, uh, and and it'll be interesting to see how many carries he takes away from Bradshaw. Yeah, and 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 you hit the the other nail on the head, Hugh, and that is you know when has Bradshaw been healthy for a full season? No, he hasn't. You know he just hasn't. So you and and they did you know Jacobs was able to do some great things in the playoffs, sort of find his legs. 
Um, you need two backs there. It's that's the bottom line. You need you need two backs. You need two contributing backs if you're the Giants with that offense. You're you're not set at wide receiver, but you're in great shape with Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz. You have uh, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. You need to make sure you're set at running back. And again, at 32, a guy that is a complete home run hitter that maybe gives you something on screens, maybe gives you something on. You know, on a toss here or there, whatever the Giants have been, a, a, can be a much better screen team to me. I think. Um, I think it's a great pick. I think you know you're sitting there at 32. You're the champions. Eh, you know what? We'll take we'll take a guy that could be a potential home run hitter. I, I think you can. I think that's a great point. I think at that spot in the draft, at the bottom of the first round, you can roll the dice a little bit. I mean, because I mean, honestly, what does it mean? It means you won the Super Bowl last year. That's right. So your 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 needs are are theoretically few and far between. Now I I do think the Giants do have need. They need to be build depth in certain places, and running back was one of those places. And they took the guy that I think they think can make the most impact. Because you know I I think the point was made earlier. I forgot who said it. I think there is a lot of value in the second round, in the third round nowadays. In fact, I don't see a lot of difference outside the top ten and the bottom of the first round and the second round in, in many respects. It's on the margins. So, you know, you know, in that spot, you, know, you could have went safe, right, which is what I think I was advocating for initially. But then they probably, you know, took a little bit more of a risk. But I think that's a spot where you do it, you know. And, uh, and, if, and if it works out, you've got yourself a starting running back. And if it doesn't work out, you probably got yourself a pretty decent return. Either way, you're going to get something out of the deal. Um, and, it, and if it doesn't work out, well, you still won the Super Bowl last year, and you can, you know, find another running back somewhere else in the universe, you know, and on, on, on waivers, you know. And a lot of these guys come off of waivers and are undrafted, and they end up being pro bowlers. So, yeah. you know. A la, a la Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz. And the salsa. Hey, Cal, let me, let me read this to you. See this is see guys this is where it's this is where the format is is fantastic because now you have set up another first round tomorrow. That's right. With the second round and how about this little list, list of guys left? Randall, Cordy Glenn, Upshaw, Fleener, Still, John Martin. Uh I mean th- there are you can trade up tomorrow. Just like you would in the first round. Let's say the Jets do love Courtney Upshaw. You know, you could try to trade up into one of those first couple of picks in the first round and try to get him. That's right. I mean, in the second round. There's a lot of talent left on the board. Mm-hmm. A lot of talent. And, and I, think that, I think that's right. Teams who have players with first-round grades who are available still are going to try and move. And I think you're going to see a lot of trades. I think the guys that they're going to try and trade up for – are Fleener, yep. Upshaw. Yep. You got Martin and Glenn, two offensive linemen who could start day one. Yep. You've got um, Gerald Worthy from Michigan State, who's been you know uh, projected in the first round for a couple of months now. Um, so I think there's a lot of players. Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill, right? You've got a, a lot of players with first round grades um, that you can you could you could move up to get. And what's interesting is. You know, if you look if you look at the first round draft results, there was only really, in my mind, two real surprises. One was Bruce Irvin to Seattle, which was a total reach, um, and then the other one was you know AJ Jenkins, which we talked about. But other than that, like 
there was there were no picks that happened that you said, oh my God, what are they doing? I've never heard of this guy. Right. Uh, at least I didn't do that. I mean, every pick was like sort of like I, I can see it. You know, there weren't like a lot of huge surprises, which to me means that you know the depth is there, but the quality is sort of flat. And I think a lot of those players who were supposed to be first round players are spilling into the second round. You know, there's going to be a lot of value picks there in the first half, first half of the round. It, it, it'll be really, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, you from from the local perspective and from the Jets perspective uh, specifically, you can do a lot now because you do have picks to trade, but you don't have to give up nearly as much as you would have probably to move up in the first round to move up in the second. Oh, absolutely. And there are guys. I mean, we we know Upshaw's on their board. We know, uh, you know, that that Cordy Glenn is probably on their board uh, because those are need positions. Martin's probably on their board. Um, and you know, now would be a nice time to move. I mean, could you imagine if you came away from rounds one and two with Copels and Upshaw? I mean, forget about it. You'd you'd feel well, great about it as a Jeff fan. Well. You know, and, and, and you're right. And that is something I could see the Jets doing. You know, now the Jets are saying, okay, we got the guy that we had at the top of our board. And this other guy who could be a starter for us on day one is still there. Yep. Let's go get him. Yep. Let's go get this guy and really hit a home run. And you theoretically could have Copels and Upshaw playing starting day one. And these are blue chip, these are blue chip guys. Yep. You know, that prospect gets you really, really excited, especially yep. if you're a defensive coach. Yeah, and you team the, and you team them with uh, Mo Wilkerson, who had a solid rookie campaign, and who I think is a player. I really do. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be an All Pro, but if he turns into, if he turns into Sean Ellis, I'd be ecstatic because I, I think he is a player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he comes in, uh, or I, I thought he had a very solid rookie year. They drafted Kendrick Ellis last year. He had problems staying in shape. He had problems getting himself game ready. He's also facing a potential jail sentence. Um, but Kendrick Ellis, you hope that you get something out of him this year at the defensive tackle. They re-signed Puha. They have DeVito there. If you could add a guy like Upshaw, then all of a sudden that D-line slash, you know, outside linebacker spot uh, you know that front seven becomes a strength instead of a weakness. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's going, boy. Round two tomorrow. I'm psyched. Now, how am I going to sell round two? <laughs> I was able to sell round one today, to Teresa, because we had the show. How am I going to sell round two, boys? Anything? Well, that, suggestions? That, that's the that that's the downside of it. Because <laughs> when, when, it was, when, it, when it was all lumped together, it was one viewing event. That's right. Now it's multiple nights carved out of your social schedule with your your wife. That's right. If you got the if you if you got the whole day when it was on the Saturday, then you were in like Flint. I mean, at least then you had the whole day. I can't sell it a second night. Cal, can you? You can. You you may actually need to go. You may have to tell her that you, they they need you at Radio City tomorrow night. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I would have to make up a a filthy lie. It uh, works. Just a terrible lie. Yeah, it would not work. I can't lie, too. By the way, guys, can't no. lie. No, no. I'm a terrible. No, I'm I'm just terrible. I can't lie. I start cracking up. Terrible. <laughs> so it's the oh, you you have never in a marriage had a worse curse. <laughs> not that I want to lie, but I just I I can't, and she knows it. It's terrible. Terrible. Uh, all right, boys. I think we should wrap. Yeah, I'm exhausted. This was this was quite the show. I feel like I was drafted. I was. <laughs> I, I am exhausted. Oh, well, that's nice. Nice soothing. 
Make that louder. That's nice, PJ. Make that louder. It's time for Pants Optional. <laughs> oh, it's that time. That's right. It is. It's time for RTU Pants Optional. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Here on Ready to Unload. Do a little ass. Thanks, Joe. Where did you find this music, PJ? I didn't, I didn't even do anything and my pants are off. Like, the music just started and my pants... I'm out of my pants. How did that happen? <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I googled music to take your clothes off. And uh, I, I eventually came up with this. Right, Hubie, are your pants still on? You didn't even know what happened. P- pants are still on. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, it's optional. That, well, it's optional. That's why it's, it's optional. I, I'm not. I'm not knocking you if you decide to take them off. I'm just mine is still on. <laughs> this is. This reminds me of a uh, funny, quick story. When uh, my band in college, we used to play. Uh, we used to cover "Let's Get It On," right? Uh, well before they covered it in High Fidelity, by the way. And uh, <laughs> we were, we were learning it or whatever. I played drums in that band. That's so we were learning it or whatever, and we're like jamming out the end. We're just having like an open jam, and like it's going on and on and on and on. And as I'm playing drums, the lead singer, uh, my buddy Dan, came over, and as we're playing the song, <laughs> and he said, uh, "So you know, he's like yelling to me. So basically, we're just gonna keep playing this until everybody in the room's making out. <laughs> like, how long are we gonna continue to play this song for?" Pretty much till people are having sex, right there. <laughs> till everybody in the room is making out with each other. Oh, okay. So you would have a 16-minute version of "Let's Get It On." Until, oh, that's uh, nasty. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> until everybody's feeling sexy. Um, thank you for that, Peach. Uh, that was oh, wonderful. Oh, Loretta. Oh, Loretta. I miss him on on Family Guy. I do. Yeah. Is he back on Family Guy? Because that show failed. I don't think so. I think that show is still going. Is it? Anybody see the... uh, Speaking of, anybody see the trailer for Ted? Yes. Cube? No. No. Ted is uh, Seth MacFarlane's movie with uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yes? Mark Wahlberg. Right. And uh, Seth MacFarlane voices a uh, foul-mouthed teddy bear. That that lives with Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg like meets a girl or whatever, and like they're they're gonna get married and stuff. But Ted's the roommate, the teddy bear. It looks, I'm sorry, it looks tremendous. It looks absolutely tremendous. This is the this is the movie you've been waiting for, a foul mouthed teddy bear. The dream has come true. <laughs> I just uh, saw the Muppets. Oh, how was that? I thought it was delightful. Honestly, I thought it was just great. You like the seagull, though, don't you? No. <laughs> don't care for him. Uh, he's a little, uh, he's a little overrated, actually. I think. But this was this was just a great reboot of of a you know of a franchise that I was nostalgic for that I thought had kind of gone astray, and it was just such a great treatment. Really. Did you watch it with your kids? Yeah, well, they dragged me into the room. They're like, you got to see this. Well, it's got what? all old songs in it. <laughs> how did they, did they did they like it? How did they respond to it? Oh, they think it's fantastic. They, they yeah. love them. 
But even even they knew that the last couple of Muppet films, you know, the pacing and the comedy was kind of off. Right. Um, and uh, this gets it all back. So yeah, I got to hand it to Jason Segel there because he he wrote a he wrote a real Muppet movie, which is he re- not easy to do. No, he rebooted it pretty well then. Yeah, it's a, it's a real good reboot. It, you know, they it centers around the Muppet Show, and it, and it brings back uh, songs that you really like, like Rainbow Connection and stuff. Nice, Cube. Have you uh, caught that one yet with the little guy? I have not. I put it on the list right after uh, the uh, Giants '86 Super Bowl video. Put it. <laughs> <laughs> does Does Patrick have to watch that on like a loop like that and like the '96 Yankees, a season to remember? And no, he, he he's t- he's taking over the TV already at three and a half. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm watching the Jungle Junction and uh, Chuggington on on loop. He's got, me, uh, he's got me whipped in the shape. <laughs> Cal, how about your girls? They didn't uh, see the Muppet movie? My, no, my daughter actually just did see it the other day. My and? old, my oldest. She loved it. She's, a, You know what? She's a tough critic, too. She is tough. She's a hard marker. She has a lot of Jean Shallot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> I like it best when she puts on the fake eyebrows and starts to talk with a lisp like that. She only watches movies with her arms crossed and her eyebrows furred. And she doesn't show any other emotion until after it's done. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> why, is, why is your daughter talking like Jean Shallot? Yeah, she does this. She's got the accent, too. It's great. I loved it. I'm Did afraid you? these Muppets are a marionette. <laughs> <laughs> On that note... Ah, uh, there we go. There's the music. All right, you know what, you? Uh, we cannot thank you enough. This is this is fantastic. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we oh, did. I, I love that. I just think you were doing it again on Sunday for around four to seven. <laughs> and to uh, because you've been such a, a willing participant, Cubie, final unload. What's that? <laughs> I'm giving you a final unload. That's that's where you get the oh, thing. Wow. One more thing. You get I a final not, unload. I was not expecting that. Um, a final unload. Oh, jeez. I I I'm not, I'm not prepared for this, guys. I, I was gonna make notes. Um, I'll just say uh, I, I'd say uh, thank thank you. Uh, I hope all of the all my Jet fan friends on the other end are satisfied with a Quentin, the Quentin Copel's pick. I am going to give it my stamp of approval. I think it's going to work out for you. <laughs> so Hubie gives it the Hubie stamp of approval and also does it sounding like he just won a People's Choice Award. <laughs> Not expecting. As the, as the music is playing him off. And my, my pants are still on. That's right. PJ, final unload. I uh, introduced my son tonight to uh, Twisted Sister and Quiet Riot. And I think I have awakened the beast. I'll report back. Man, your son is going to do really well. Really well. (laughs) He's going to do so much better than any of us ever did. Cal, final unload. I want to thank everybody that we had on tonight, especially Hubie for hanging out with us. We had a blast. And I also want to thank Hubie because he's starting to talk me into Quentin Copels. I'm feeling a little bit better about this. So thanks, Hubie. My pleasure. I want to second that. My final unload is to say thanks to uh, John Hargaden uh, from thejetsblog.com, our buddy Kevin, uh, Hammer, our buddy Steph, uh, and for PJ for uh, 
sticking it out and being an awesome producer tonight. Thanks, Beach. And uh, that's it. We will see you next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs>